0: hey everyone welcome back to oh my god my voice anyways um welcome back to vanessa on films this is episode 17 this is just the podcast where we discuss film and television news obviously i'm recovering from being sick so i'm gonna sound like shit this entire episode but um you don't have to listen if you don't want to but anyways um i'm gonna try not to like edit this just because i don't i'm i don't think i have time to do that this week but anyways um yeah so it's probably gonna sound awful I'm saying that as if my other episodes are like best editing you know um best editing award but that's not the truth um so yeah uh basically like the reason I didn't have an episode last week is because um I had to do something on the days that I usually like record and edit so I was just like Well, no. Um, and, and I I was, I was debating whether to like change the kind of like structure of this podcast. Um, but then I decided not to. And yeah, I don't know. I just decided to just stick with like sharing the news and stuff like that, because obviously that's kind of what I've just been doing with this podcast. But like, yeah, I was going to, i was gonna change it a little bit but then i decided not to and i decided to stick with what i've been doing and yeah so that was kind of like what i was gonna just like take a break um from yeah like the the making a new episode until i figured out what i wanted to do but um yeah i decided not to also like i got I, i usually record on tuesdays and i got sick like tuesday night which is the so i i didn't like skip an episode last week because i was sick I actually, like, skipped it because, yeah, because of what I just said. So, anyways, yeah, um, so, sorry about my voice, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. As for the, um, opening rant portion of this, what, of this, um, of this episode, honestly, like, I usually start out with something that can kind of maybe connect back to, a piece of news but I didn't really like want to do that this week um because I had a uh, I had a like a question to open with and then I kind of like I was trying to find news that connected to it and I don't like I found anything so anyway honestly like my opening like rant I guess we can say is definitely going to be about letterbox today honestly like I love the app I use it all the time it's definitely a great way for me to again keep track of like the movies that I watch and if you look at my letterbox, um, which is Vanessa films, obviously it's, it, it obviously like only shows the films that I've started watching from the first day. Like I haven't logged or like added films that I watched when I was younger. Like I started it sometime in like April, I think, 2020. So that's obviously only like what you're seeing on that account. Um, there's a bunch of movies that I haven't you know, logged or whatever, because I watched them years ago. So I'm not the type of person to like add or not necessarily log, but just like add every single movie I watch. Like I don't do that. But anyways, um, yeah, I, I really like the app. I just don't necessarily, the community aspect of it is very weird because everyone is obsessed with like judging the way people use the app And I think we need to stress the fact that this is literally just like a social media app. Um, It's not the New York Times. This is it. We're not here for like philosophical debates or like analytical readings of these movies. I mean, if you want to use it that way, go ahead. And I'm sure a lot of people would appreciate it. But for the most part, people are just here to lock the films that they watch, maybe make a comment or two about them. And you know what, like if you don't like the quirky reviews, like, that's fine and honestly I think my rant is just about like the people who send death threats and you know like just screenshot all the like quote-unquote like popular letterbox user reviews and always like this is this person has 30,000 followers and look at the content they're producing and it's like you're weird like you took the time to screenshot their their review crop it and then make a comment about it when you could have just like blocked them I don't know. Like, to me, you need to move on. And honestly, like, a lot of it stems from jealousy. Like, I've noticed that, like, a lot of people are mad about the letterbox users who have 50,000 followers because they think that their reviews are lackluster in comparison to theirs, which I don't know how to tell you this, but you're probably not a very good writer anyways. So to just be jealous that someone has more followers than you because you think you're reviews are better honestly says a lot about you I think that if you're like so obsessed with what you are producing for like a mute a movie a movie reviewing app to the point of hating someone that you don't even know because of how they decide to use the same app is actually crazy and honestly like I think that kind of just proves that you don't know how to write either um is anyways but um I don't know. The point I'm making is like, if these people like piss you off, just block them. You don't have to follow them. Also like the whole concept of, wow, these people write two sentence joke reviews and they have this many followers. What does the world come to? Like, if you want film reviews that are like in depth, go to like variety or whatever, or go to like a site that actually produces that. That's not necessarily what Letterboxd is for. Letterboxd is for like, you can use it however way you choose. I don't think there's, like, a contract that you sign where it's, like, you have to write at least two paragraphs. I don't know. And also, like, most of the people that I'm thinking of that people hate do write longer reviews. You guys just don't pay attention to them because they annoy you. And since you don't like them, you're not going to pay attention to that because then you'd be wrong. But anyways, um, my point is just use up how you want and, like, stop being annoying. Um, I don't know. Like... You're using a movie reviewing app. That's all. Like you're a loser. Like I'm included in that. But it's like just just move on with your life. Is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Well, anyways, let's move on to the news. Obviously, there's a little bit of there's. I mean, like news is bumping up now because the writer strike is over. So a lot of like writers and directors are talking about the films they're working on. Of course, the um, actor strike is still happening, and obviously we send solidarity to them. But um. Yeah, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the Criterion Collection. If you're familiar with that, it is essentially like DVDs and it's a home video distribution company. That's what it is. Um, They're American, but they focus on basically um, restoring a lot of older films, but also licensing and distributing uh, even contemporary films. So it could be like international cinema Uh, newer films, older films, cinema that actually, like, sorry, I think I just moved my mic, hasn't really been, like, distributed properly, quote-unquote, properly before. So what they do is, like, they gather them, restore them, make sure they are, you know, being taken care of. And, yeah, and then they distribute them, usually on their DVDs. um, And so a lot of films sometimes get chosen to be part of the Criterion Collection. What I like about um, the Criterion Collection is that a lot of films that are on streaming services that are considered—I don't want to say important—but you get what I'm trying to say with that word. Like they are considered uh, classics, or just yeah. I think I think Criterion itself uses the word important, but anyways, yeah. Um, what what they do with a lot of streaming services, uh, streaming service titles that don't necessarily get um, you know the DVD release or the physical media release what they do is they oftentimes they find those special films and choose them to be part of the collection so that eventually they can get that dvd release so i think a couple of titles were announced recently that were going to be part of the collection so two include train spotting and mudbound so train spotting is like i mean it's been around for a while mudbound i think was released in 2017 or 2018, one of those two years. I should probably check that, but anyways. Yeah, so it's like one of those two years. And yeah, um, so it's only a couple years old and that was actually released on Netflix, I believe. So um I don't necessarily think it had a quote unquote traditional like media rollout regarding um whether it be like theatrical or physical media release. So it's cool to see how the Criterion Collection has decided to choose it to be part of it. And it's going to get, you know, the cool new Criterion uh, cover. And I think a lot of the times people choose or not choose, but like they buy those those DVDs because they feel, I don't know, there's really something special about like having physical media and knowing that it's like part of the Criterion collection just like adds like quote-unquote like extra value to it and so yeah mudbound Trainspotting, they are being added to the criterion collection so uh, keep an eye out for the release of those films within the collection on to some more news about a really cool artist I don't even necessarily want to like pigeonhole her into like one type of title just because she's kind of all-encompassing really but anyways, yeah, uh, Petra Collins. Uh, you probably know her photography, but she's also a director. She's a director of photography. Um, yeah, I mean, I think people really, really know her for the kind of overall aesthetic that she utilizes in her approach to art. Um, the kind of like hazy, teenage, uh, like purple pinks, um, very like gritty, also in like raw approach to photography that people really, really seem to love and have really, yeah, I guess just, like, found a love or affinity for. And honestly, I think she's inspired a lot of young women, particularly, to pick up a camera and, like, start shooting everyday life in very nuanced and, like, different ways that haven't necessarily been done before. She also, um, I mean, I don't necessarily know the full scope of the situation, but I think she did accuse Sam Levinson of copying her aesthetic to create euphoria. I really think people should, if you're, like, interested in that type of thing, um, yeah, you should really, like, um, how do I say this? Uh, look it up and, like, read the different interviews that she did about it, and honestly, like, you can definitely see the similarities. I think she did have, like, a hand in the show. I don't want to, like, confirm that, but um, yeah, so there's, there's definitely, like, similarities between the show and her style that, um, yeah, that she works with, and I think it's interesting to, like, know about, um, just, I guess, like, that situation, but anyways, the point I'm trying to make is that she actually directed, um, an episode of American Horror Stories Season 3, so she directed the episode entitled Oregon. so... This is a four episode kind of like um I don't even wanna call it miniseries, but it's like diff each episode has like a different storyline and it's part of like the American Horror Stories. So I think yeah, this is the third season of like this type of framework that the American Horror Story like Universe is working with, so again, each episode is like a different thing. She directed episode four, so the final one in the season three of this show. And yeah, so what the episode is about, it's about a blind date, um, and they meet through an online app, and it goes very wrong, obviously, because why wouldn't it? And it's going to be premiering on October 26th, and I think it's on Hulu, but like, I feel like if you're in canada or like other territories you could probably find it on disney plus so again yeah it's just really cool to see like petra collins um she's worked as a director before specifically in music videos but i would actually like to see her like branch out and do more like television and film because i feel like she has such a vision that's really really strong and it's definitely like i don't know i feel like if she could like establish herself in film it would be really interesting because she does have this this style that's like so connected to her Um, That would be just, yeah, um, really, really cool to see how she utilizes that in like longer forms of media, media, sorry. Moving on to some more news that kind of, I don't know, like when I saw it, I immediately just like started nodding like the Olivia Wilde gif. Um, Just because like, I don't know, I've spoken about this film before and it's so good. Like I can't say enough good things about it and so yeah so Guillermo del Toro he was actually speaking I think he did like an interview and he actually said that Celine Song's past lives is the best feature debut that he's seen in the last 20 years and um I mean I don't necessarily know if I agree with him just because like because there's been so many like great debut features but I think the point I'm i don't know like the point i'm thinking of or like the point i'm trying to make is that it got a lot of people talking about like debut features and honestly like whether you agree with them or not you have to agree that like the film is really really great and i don't know man like i honestly want to win original screenplay so badly at like all the awards this season but yeah so um yeah um that's what he said he said that it was like the best feature that he's seen in the last 20 years best debut feature i should say Sunny song is actually currently working on her newest film and i believe it got kind of like um i'm forgetting the word right now interim agreement that's what it got because um you know the actors are still on strike but I guess because it is co- kind of like a quote-unquote like indie film like it has a smaller budget they're going to be uh allowed to work on it and act etc so yeah she's currently like working on her new film and uh that's just really really exciting I think she is really established she is going to establish herself as kind of this auteur um and I'm just really really excited to see yeah just like her career and um past lives if you haven't watched it go check it out because it's really really great from one of the best films that has been released in the last five years um to a franchise that has released some of the worst films that we've seen in the last five years um I'm sorry I, I just can't do it anymore but anyways um so Kevin Feige you know the brilliant mastermind behind the MCU Anyways, um, he said that he was doing like an interview and he was like, oh, yeah, um, you know, even though we have 32 movies and he didn't say this, but there's like a million TV shows. He says that like even after 32 movies, he feels like the MCU has like barely scratched the surface. And I just I don't know, like I I usually write like little notes beside the news that I'm In a share with you and i didn't write anything except for the word hell in all caps with an exclamation point after it because i don't know what to say about this franchise anymore someone made a really good point i wish i kept the tweet and they were like sure there are some good movies that have been released like after endgame um and you know a lot of them still make money but he's like You named the movie Endgame, and you still expected people to care about it after. Like, you killed one of your, like, major heroes, which, I don't know, as a comic, as someone who did read comics when they were younger, like, those those bitches, like, die and come back to life all the time. So, like, for me, I didn't necessarily care about the death, but yeah, like, you built up this, like, huge event. And you called it Endgame, and then you're like, "Actually, we're just yeah, you know what? We'll we'll continue making movies after this." What do you mean? Like, I don't know. Like, I I, I don't know. Like, you know what? If you enjoy this franchise, go ahead, continue enjoying it. I I don't think anyone is going to like hate you for enjoying this franchise. It's eh, eh, I don't know. I'm a little. I, I'm a little rude. Like, if you say that you could still... Like, here's the thing. When I was, like, 14, I loved these movies. But now I realize, like, a lot of it was just connected to me not knowing anything about film. Or, like, having having not, like, branched off into, like, watching other things, you know? Like, I was still very much, like, a baby cinephile at that time. And I didn't watch a lot. Um, You know, except for, like, this kind of crap. So, a lot of them are pretty decent films. Like, I think, like, The Winter Soldier is genuinely like a great like thriller like action film but like everything else I don't know it's kind of like just like buttered toast like sure I don't know buttered toast slap maybe I shouldn't have said that that comparison doesn't make sense apologies to buttered toast um I'm trying to find like a food comparison um (sighs) Okay, maybe, okay, let's not, let's just forego the food comparison. I'm just trying to say, like, there are some good movies, but, like, for the most part, like, when I look back at them, I'm like, why did I enjoy that? And it's like, oh, yeah, I was 14. I didn't know necessarily anything. And I guess, like, it's just kind of, like, hard for me to imagine or, like, take in the fact that there are, like, adults that actually still care about the 40th movie in this franchise. And, like, they still care about this franchise. Or just like comic book movies in general. But just because like they've been so meh. Like I don't know. There's like a whole world out there of film from around the world. Like literally there's a whole world out there. That I don't know why we still need these movies. Or if we even needed them to begin with. Because they've just drastically changed the landscape. And viewers viewing habits literally um, so all I'm saying is, like, I don't know, maybe watch something that you probably wouldn't, and you'll probably see that you're missing out on a lot. Anyways, yeah, so Kevin Feige, he said that, like, after 32 movies, you know, they've barely scratched the surface, but, mm, I don't know. I wrote Hell, so I don't, I don't even know what I meant by that, but I do. Anyways. Um... Well, yeah, uh, let's move on to some news about Abbott Elementary Season 3. It's going to have less episodes than Season 2. So, Season 2, I think, had, like, 22 episodes, which is, like, kind of, like, a really rare thing that happens nowadays. Like, I don't think even regular network shows get that anymore. So, it was really, really great that we brought back, like, the longer season with, you know, guest stars. And, yeah, I guess I'm just, like, Thinking about how that's not something that happens nowadays. Like the longer seasons. um, The fact that it felt like we could grow alongside these characters. Just because we had more time to spend with them. Really. Um, So yeah anyways. Season 3 is actually going to have less episodes than season 2. Just because of the strike. And how that affected like scheduling. So yeah the strike affected like airing schedule. And also like ABC has to find what it has room for. On their schedule, so yeah, I guess they're in the process of writing season three right now, but unfortunately, it's gonna have less episodes. But nonetheless, like, I don't necessarily think it's gonna have. I don't know. I don't think it's gonna drastically be different, but um, I mean, I'm hoping it's not. But anyways, like, yeah, season three, less episodes. Hopefully, for like season four, it could get back into that like 22 episode groove. I actually wish like more shows would just like adopt the longer season like i if you're a miniseries fine but it's like if you're a regular show you should not only have like eight episodes but anyways moving on um yeah so two more pieces of news so let's talk about francis lawrence he is a director and he directed uh the i was having like a Anyways, um yeah, so he directed like the last 3 Hunger Games films, so Catching Fire and then Mockingjay, which Mockingjay was split into two parts. And he was actually like talking about that recently and he actually says that he regrets splitting it into two films, and I feel like a lot of fans actually agree with that. Um of course, like the, the final books in the series often do get split into two parts just because they are longer. But I find that, like, the first part of the two parts is often really, I don't want to say slow, but in a way it is. Yeah, I guess it is a little bit slower just because the second part is usually when, like, the final battle happens or something along that line. So, yeah, um, he says he regrets splitting it into two parts. I understand that like runtime is definitely an issue that people have to take into consideration, but I don't know. I feel like if if you have like such a big following for your film, something like The Hunger Games, I don't think it was, would be an issue. And I know like it's a like young adult and I know a lot of young people would. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that might be an issue regarding, you know, runtime and But then i also think of something like the lord of the rings where those films are just super long and like kids love those movies so i don't know you know like i don't necessarily know if it would actually have been an issue to your grits splitting it into two films but um yeah i don't know i do think a lot of fans were like just discussing this and how they agree with that but um yes Um, on to some more. Okay, I lied. I think I have three more pieces in use. Well, two. Two now. Um, yeah, so Ryan Johnson, he is talking. He was talking about uh, Knives Out 3 recently, and he said that he actually decided on a premise and a setting for Knives Out 3. Um, so I'm super excited for this. I love the movies, they're just so fun. I mean, Glass Onion was definitely not as good as the first one according in in my personal opinion but um and you know i think netflix like ruined just i don't know just like thinking of like how much money knives out the first one made it would have been made so much money in theaters if they put the second one in like a traditional rollout. but anyways moving on um so he said that it's coming along And he said, "I obviously couldn't work during the strike, and now that it's over, I'm diving in full force." So it's just exciting to have this news regarding the franchise, and to have, you know, Ryan confirm that he's working on it, but like more so that he actually has the premise and the setting. And I'm super excited to see that because, um, yeah, just knowing that like Benoit is going to be like focusing on a different mystery each time, and it's going to probably be taking place taking it's going to take place in like different you know settings every time um I would be interested in seeing if maybe like some people from that universe eventually reappear in other films but I don't want to get ahead of myself because like I don't think that'll happen but anyways it's just really cool seeing how like Ryan has really crafted this unique original character in Benoit and just yeah being able to I don't know, just being able to, like, be in this universe with that type of character is just so fun, and I'm glad that this franchise really does exist. Alright, um, this is definitely, like, the last piece of news that I have, but there was a new, well, I should say the first poster for Eileen uh, dropped, so this is the film that is based on the book of the same name by Otessa Mosheg, so there was also a trailer that released but the t- by the time I'm recording this it hasn't dropped yet but anyways I'm super excited for it um it follows Eileen who works as kind of this just um I I guess we could say like secretary or whatever in a um juvenile like correctional facility for young boys yeah and then a new counselor named Rebecca shows up and it kind of just looks at their relationship and how Eileen is, like, immediately, like, smitten with Rebecca and kind of, I don't yeah, let's call it, like, kind of this, like, parasitic relationship between them, and it's just, it was really captivating, and I'm really excited to see it, you know, adapted on the screen, and I think it's just, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm really excited for it. So, Thomas and Mackenzie is playing, um, Eileen, and then Rebecca is being played by Anne Hathaway, so it's just like two really talented actors, you know, leading this film, and so that's what I'm really excited for as well, and yeah, go support it when it comes out in theaters. As for the ending portion of this episode, um, I'm just going to talk about the flanniverse. so this is, of course, the part of the episode where I talk about, you know, something that what do I talk about? Um yeah, so just like something I hate, love, it could be something that we don't necessarily care about. It's just like a film or a TV show that we want to rant about. So I'm gonna talk about like the Flaniverse. So this is Mike Flanagan's universe essentially. Uh so his films, his TV shows, and how he often utilizes the same actors within them. Um I'm usually not a fan of that, but with this, like I don't find it necessarily annoying for some reason, and I don't know. Maybe it's just because like all the actors he chooses are really, really good. Um so I think I was just thinking about this because the fall of the House of Usher um just dropped on Netflix recently, and I'm still currently working my way through it. And I don't know, like, there's just something about his ability to like create this these universes where within the specific show where like there's like family aspects of it and like haunting and like trauma and like you know blending those all together he's just really really great at that but again um i i I, i love all of them i have not watched the midnight club unfortunately but, like, I'm probably gonna, like, watch it really soon, um, just because, you know, I'm kind of in, like, the flanniverse mood right now. Um, honestly, like, I'm really, really loving The Fall of the House of Usher. I actually have no idea what's going on, though. Like, I'm avoiding spoilers at all costs. Like, I know, obviously, like, I mean, you watched the first episode, and it's about, like, how his, uh, children are dying, uh, how, um, yeah, Roderick's, um, uh, kids are dying but it's like I don't know I I'm just I'm just like really captivated by by it right now and I'm really excited to see like what the quote unquote like end result is and yeah I don't hmm I don't like the word accessible but it's just really cool to see how his 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 projects really are like horror that is kind of I don't know again this depends on your like your your like thoughts regarding the word but it is kind of like very digestible but it's still very like beautiful and looks at themes in very like deep and meaningful ways and i don't know i just wanted to shout out the flanniverse because it's cool um i don't necessarily know my ranking (sighs) i really am like a black man or girly but like hill house was just so good and it's, like, kind of hard to top it for me, but I don't know. And I do think Midnight Mass, a lot of people tapped out of it because it was slow at the beginning. But the thing is, with with Midnight Mass, the payoff is so good that it's, like, you have to stick with it. Um, that's what a lot of people will say, and I totally agree with them on that. And so, anyway, yeah, just, like, check out all his movies and his shows and Uh, The Netflix shows are just so good, and I'm excited for The Midnight Club. I haven't watched it, obviously, but um, I'm excited to get to it eventually. And uh, as for the film that is dropping this week, and that I want to, like, shout out. So, Killers of the Flower Moon, it's finally here. It's going to be releasing this weekend. And I'm just super, 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 super excited for it. So it's directed and produced by Martin Scorsese. He actually co-wrote the screenplay as well with Eric Roth. And it's based on the 2017 book of the same name. So the book was written by David Grant. And it centers on um, the Osage Nation. And um, it takes place in, of course, Oklahoma. And it follows, or I guess it centers again on the murders that take place during the 1920s because oil was discovered on the tribal land and um yeah so it follows kind of just the narrative of that and i think i don't know like scorsese was talking about the importance of this story and how it needed to be shown on screen and i really really agree with that i mean like i've heard really great things about it um i know it is like three hours and a half but it's like if you have the time like please go watch it and go support it and um i don't know like we need this is like so sad but it's like I don't know, Scorsese talks about, like, his mortality a lot and, like, how he only has a couple more films left in him or maybe, like, one or two. So, it's, like, this is, like, one of the final films we're going to get from him. So, it's, like, if we can, like, let's just go and support this movie. Again, I know it's three hours and a half. I'm probably going to have to take, like, multiple bathroom breaks, but it's, like, I don't know. Like, I'd rather just, like, go and support it and watch it and, like, not, yeah, like, not worry about the timing of it. And I understand, like, three hours and a half is, like, a long time like it is like it is a commitment but it's like you know if you can watch like three hour long shitty movies in the theaters you can watch this and again it is a really important story that needs to be told lily gladstone supremacy um i actually have a tweet in my drafts about like certain women and how if you like yearning you have to watch certain women and her performance in that film is so heartbreaking um i just love it so much but it is it it took me a while to recover from that film. Um but anyways, I'm excited to like see her get you know recognition on a wider scale. I don't know. Like she's always been really cool and um yeah, I'm excited for this and maybe like award season, but I don't know. This year was such a good year for movies and we are so lucky like what a time, you know. Um I'm really I don't know. Like this film did cost a lot to make. It probably has to make like f- f- i don't know like maybe like 500 million even just to break even and i don't necessarily know if it's going to make that much money but i don't know maybe if taylor swift like says hey guys watch my concert movie and killers of the flower moon on the same day people will do it um but i don't know like again 200 million dollars is crazy money for a period drama but anyways whatever um thanks for listening oh my god my voice um you probably tapped out like two minutes in just because of how annoying my voice is but anyways I'm probably not gonna edit this if it sounds bad or if there's like glitches I'll find out eventually when I listen to it um when it drops but anyways thanks for listening um bye